Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar. This is going to be episode 195 of The Informed Catholic, episode 195. Now, um, before we begin, please subscribe and share to my podcast. If you like what I do and you think I'm doing a good job, it would be a great help. And it would be a great help if you share it or tell your friends about it. Mainly, I do a lot of commentary. I read a lot of articles. Um, mainly, everything has a lot to do with uh, Catholic life, uh, Catholic living, and what's happening in the Catholic world. Um, right now, of course, there's a lot of stuff going on with the controversies, especially with the election. Uh, a lot of stuff going on with the corruption in the clergy, <clears throat> excuse me, and a lot of to do with Catholic politicians, especially like Joe Biden, and uh, a lot also to do with, especially now I'm going to do articles on uh, Archbishop Vigano, Tucker Carlson recently um, quoted a letter that Archbishop Vigano wrote to Donald Trump several months back, and I'm going to revisit this article, and then I'm going to uh, read the one uh, related to Tucker Carlson. Um, this is all basically about the Great Reset. Uh, there's a threat going around about another shutdown. Um, Joe Biden, who may wind up and I use the word may very cautiously wind up the next president of the United States. If it turns out he does wind up, we're going to be in serious trouble. <clears throat> There's a lot of fear um, about a shutdown because the shutdown could affect us Catholics and other Christians. Our churches our church doors may be shut. In Brooklyn, where I live, in New York, and then the borough of Brooklyn, the um, Diocese of Brooklyn is suing Governor Andrew Cuomo uh, because he is violating our constitutional rights to attend church, Ch going to church and worshiping is an essential right. It's a constitutional right. And uh, unfortunately, there's also talk of a great reset. We're going to, I'm going to mention some names, but a lot of big, important world leaders, uh, Prime Minister of Canada, uh, this Carl Schwab, who's someone important, I'm guessing, in an investment world and everything, is talking about a great reset. He wrote a book, COVID-19 and the Great Reset. What is, what is the Great Reset? Well, it seems that the most powerful leaders in the world have taken upon themselves to change the entire social, political, and economic structure of our planet. How we live, how we spend our money, our political structure, everything. And unfortunately, um, it seems 
that our pontiff, Pope Francis, decided to join the Great Reset, these globalists, this one world government. For some reason, he's agreeable with their ideology and philosophy, and it's it's a betrayal. <clears throat> it's a sad betrayal. Many of the leaders have used the word build back better. Um, Joe Biden has used the word, the term build back better. The prime minister of Canada has also used the word, the term build back better. Many of the world leaders have used the term build back better. And that is something that Carl Schwab in his book, COVID-19, The Great Reset, he uses a term build back better. <clears throat> it's a reference to the reset. All right. Um, let's start with a prayer. And then we'll go into the article with Archbishop Vigano and um, the other related article. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. Saint Joseph, guardian of the church and terror of demons, pray for us. Saint Michael the Archangel, pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. So why am I reading this article again? Well, because I heard Tim Poole on his podcast read uh, one of Tucker Carlson's commentary. And it's because of this shutdown and because it seems that, um, well, some of our, some of our uh, politicians within the Democratic Party are all for this. This shutdown is really to destroy the old structure, the structure we have, the structure that we're familiar with. And it seems that I, th I, I really truly believe that Joe Biden and some of these people, it's not just Democrats, I believe there's a lot of, a lot of Republicans who are all for it. This it, it it's that remember that saying the one world government the new uh, world order the globalist agenda <clears throat> the idea of um, which is also called the great reset to reset everything to start everything over again. One of the talks is they're going to eliminate um, hard cash dollar bills coins. 
and turn it into digital. I mean, we're already using our debit cards, right? You go to the supermarket, um, you're going to use your debit card. You buy things from Amazon or order something from Whole Foods. You're using your debit card. And the idea is for you not to use cash anymore. And what happens if everything falls apart? Let's say you can't buy something from Amazon. You're pretty much going to be at the mercy of, of something. You're going to be at the mercy of the government. And they, one of their ideas is they want to... Um, enforce or, or set up a universal income. This gives um, the buying power or the selling power to a few organizations. One of them is Amazon. They're going to have all the, the power of what we want. They're going to sell and you have to come to them and they're going to set up the rules. Well, anyway, Let's look into what Vigano says, and we're going to compare it to Tucker Carlson later on, uh, later on in another article. <clears throat> Archbishop Vigano's powerful letter to President Trump, eternal struggle between good and evil playing out right now. Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano warns the president that the current crisis over the coronavirus pandemic and the George Floyd riots are part of the eternal spiritual struggle between the forces of good and evil. Saturday, June 6, 2020. All right. This is from the uh, LifeSite News. Okay, so I won't read the... Um, um, I won't read the editor's desk here. Okay, June 7th, 2020. Holy Trinity Sunday, Mr. President... In recent months, we have been witnessing the formation of two opposing sides that I would call biblical, the children of light and the children of darkness. The children of light constitute the most conspicuous part of humanity, while the children of darkness represent an absolute minority, and yet the former are the object of a sort of discrimination which places them in a situation of moral inferiority with respect to their adversaries who often hold um, strategic positions in government, in politics, in the economy, and in the media. In an apparently inexplicable way, the good are held hostage by the wicked and by those who help them either out of self-interest or fearfulness. These two sides, which have a biblical nature, follow the clear separation between the offspring of the woman and the offspring of the serpent. On the one hand, there are those who, although they have a thousand defects and weaknesses, are motivated by the desire to do good, to be honest, to raise a family, to engage in, in work, to give prosperity to their homeland, to help the needy and in obedience to the law of God, the law of God, to merit the kingdom of heaven. On the other hand, there are those who serve themselves, who do not hold any moral principle, who want to demolish the family and the nation, 
exploit workers to make themselves unduly wealthy, uh, foment internal divisions and wars, and accumulate power and money. For them, for them, the fallacious illusion of temporal well-being will one day, if they do not repent, yield to the terrible fate that awaits them, far from God, in eternal damnation. In society, Mr. President, these two opposing realities coexist as eternal enemies, just as God and Satan are eternal enemies. And it happens that the children of darkness, whom we may easily identify with the deep state, which you wisely oppose, and which is fiercely waging war against you in these days, have decided to show their cards, so to speak, by now revealing their plans. They seem to be so certain of already having everything under control that they have laid aside that circumcision that until now had a least partiality concealed their values and um, concealed their true intentions. The investigations already underway will reveal the true responsibility of those who manage the COVID emergency, not only in the area of health care, but also in politics, in the economy and the media. We will probably find that in this colossal operation of social engineering, there are people who have decided that the fate of humanity's arrogating to themselves the right to act against the will of citizens and their representatives in the government of nations. Um, this part here, article goes uh, related. Archbishop Vigano, D.C.'s Archbishop, who criticized Trump's visit to the Catholic shrine, is is a false shepherd. Hmm. I'll read that. Uh, that's something else. We will also discover that the riots in these days were provoked by those who seeing that the virus is inevitably fading and that the social alarm of the pandemic is waning necessarily have had to provoke civil disturbance because they would be followed by repression, which although legitimate could be condemned as unjustified aggression against the population. The same thing is also happening in Europe in perfect Synchrony. It is quite clear that the use of street protests is an instrumental is instrumental to the purposes of those who would like to see someone elected in the upcoming presidential election who embodies the goals of the deep state <clears throat> and who express these goal those those goals faithfully and with conviction. It will not be surprising if in a few months we learn once again that hidden behind these acts of vandalism and violence, there are those who hope to profit from the, dis the dissolution of social order so as to build a world without freedom. Salve et Caligula, as the Masonic Edge teaches. Salve et Caligula, <clears throat> Dr. Taylor Marshall um, related that to the demonic figure with the goat's head with one arm pointing to heaven and the other arm point, pointing to earth to dissolve and reorganize 
that's what the Latin means. Although it may seem disheartening that the opposing alignments have described are also found in religious circles. There are faithful shepherds who care for the flock of Christ, but there are also mercenary infidels who seek to scatter the flock and hand the sheep over to be devoured by ravenous wolves. It's not surprising that these mercenaries are allies of the children of darkness and hate the children of light. Just as there is a deep state, there is also a deep church that portrays its duties and forswears its proper commitments before God. Thus, the invisible enemy whom God, whom good rulers fight against in public affairs is also fought against by good shepherds in the ecclesiastical sphere. It is a spiritual battle which I spoke about in my recent appeal which was published on May 8th. <clears throat> For the first time, the United States has in you a president who courageously defends the right to life and who is not ashamed to denounce the, the persecution of Christians throughout the world, who speaks of Jesus Christ and the right of citizens to freedom of worship, your participation in the March for Life, and more recently your proclamation of the month of April as National Child Abuse Prevention Month are actions that confirm which side you wish to fight on. <clears throat> and I dare to believe that both of us are on the same side in this battle, all about with different weapons. For this reason, I believe that the attack to which you were subject after you visited the National Shrine of St. John Paul II is part of the orchestrated media narrative, which seeks not to fight racism and bring social order, but to aggravate dispositions, not to bring justice, but to legitimize violence and crime, not to serve the truth, but to favor one political faction, and, it, and it, it is disheartening that there are bishops such as those whom I recently denounced, who by their words proved that they are aligned on the opposing side. They are subservient to the deep state, to globalism, to aligned thought, to the new world order which they invoke ever more frequently in the name of a universal brotherhood, which has nothing Christian about it, but which invoke the messianic ideals of those who want to dominate the world by driving God out of the courts, out of schools, out of families, and perhaps even out of churches. The American people are mature and have now understood how much the mainstream media does not want to spread the truth, but seeks to silence and distort it spreading the lie that is useful for the purpose of their masters. However, it is important that the good who are the majority wake up from their sluggishness and do not accept being deceived by a minority of dishonest people with unvaluable purposes. It is necessary that the good, the children of light, come together and make their voices heard 
What more effective way is there to do this, Mr. President, than by prayer, asking the Lord to protect you in the United States and all humanity from this enormous attack of the enemy before the power of prayer, the deceptions of the children of doctors will collapse. Their plots will be revealed. Their portrayal will be shown. Their frightening power will end in nothing brought to light and exposed for what it is, an infernal deception. Mr. President, my prayer is constantly turned to the beloved American nation where I had the privilege and honor of being sent by Pope Benedict XVI as Apostolic Nuncio, that's ambassador, in this dramatic and decisive hour for all of humanity. I am praying for you and also for all those who are at your side in the government of the United States. I trust that the American people are united with me and in, and, and in you in prayer to Almighty God, united, united against the invisible enemy of all humanity. I bless you and the First Lady the beloved American nation and all men and women of goodwill. Carlo Maria Vigano, Tautelier, Archbishop of Albania, former apostolic nuncio to the United States of America. Well, <clears throat> I've been praying when I pray my rosary, when I prayer, pray, uh, say my prayers, I always ask God to expose the um the deceptions and the lies to expose all the evil and i think we should pray that um i'm not crazy about the idea of another shutdown i'm not crazy about this going on another few months it's um it's really um very depressing um it's oppressive it's 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 really really oppressive this whole shutdown this whole thing is suffocating emotionally and spiritually i mean you can't go anywhere you um you know you you can't travel you can't go see a movie you can't um go to the gym i mean you know i know that a lot of people want to go to the gym. They want to work out. They want to exercise. They want to step out of the house. You want to just walk around and then, you know, there's, you know, you can't go into, you can't go anywhere if you don't wear a mask. If you can't go step into places, if you can't wear a mask, um, you know, if you, you can't travel to another state because they might ask you, have you been checked for COVID? I mean, this, this whole thing was created when I read uh, the article for the color about the color revolution a couple of weeks ago, it talked about that this was used as stelt as a um, kind of like a Trojan horse. All right. While we're paying attention where we're, we're paying attention what's going on over here with the COVID, with the riots, with the protests, with the burning, with the pulling down of statues, uh, 
behind the curtain, behind the scene, they were working on um, stealing this election. And it was all heading towards November 3rd. And this is very, very troublesome because lo and behold, look where we're in right now. Look, look the, this, this chapter. And it's scary. But we have to also believe that Christ is in charge because we have to remember what our Lord said. All authority of heaven and earth have been handed over to me. The Lamb received all power and authority. The resurrected Christ, the glorified Christ. And, you know, I was listening to Ralph Martin and they were talking about something that Father Benedict Groeschel, I met him. I met him. Um, you know, wonderful person. I also met... Um, uh, Father Apostoli from the same Franciscan Friars of Renewal. And something that Benedict Rochelle said back in the 90s, maybe, um, Scott Hahn said it was about sort of almost like a prophecy that everything will be shut down, everything will be taken away. Only this could happen through the power of the Holy Spirit, that someone could foresee something like this, because it's not by our human power or our human wisdom. And these holy people all foresaw these events were about to taking place. We should thank God that we have people like Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano. <clears throat> we should also be thankful that we have each other. But what worries me is what if they shut down the internet, YouTube, silenced everybody? Because that's what we have. We have each other. And the scary part is that once this is all silenced, because that's what they're doing, they're trying to silence people from communicating with each other. You can't hear what Church Militant is saying. You can't hear what Taylor Marshall's telling us. We can't trust the media, the mainstream established media. It's a frightening thing. What do they want? What do they think they're going to achieve by controlling us? What do they think they're going to achieve by establishing this government of theirs, this, this, this one world Tower of Babel, this modern Tower of Babel that they want to, they want to do? I think it's frightening and I think it's, it's serious. What do they think they're going to do? You know, what utopian world they think they're going to establish. I mean, people have tried it before. That's what the Tower of Babel is all about. You know, and they were confounded by the Lord God. And there have been empires, Egypt, Syria, Babylon, Persia, Alexander the Great and his empire, Rome, and they were, and they were, they all, they're all gone, all of them, including the Muslim Empire, the Turkish Empire. Hitler tried to do it. Mussolini tried to do it. The Russian Empire disappeared. The English Empire disappeared. All of it is going to be gone. 
All right. All of it is going to be gone. Try it. It's not going to work. You may get, maybe you might be successful for a couple of years, maybe, but eventually it's going to fall apart because you, the one thing they don't understand is human nature. It's corrupt. It's just, it's not eternal. It's weak. It always falls apart. You know, nothing good comes out of lies. Nothing good comes out of deception. Nothing good comes out of mischief. It doesn't work. It won't work. It'll never work. Try it all. Try it. Give it a shot and you'll see it's going to fall apart. Nothing good comes out of evil. It won't work. People are going to say no. Let's try the next article. All right. This is by <clears throat> Church Militant by Antonio Sacchi. He's a very famous, I think, Italian reporter. Very well. Uh, November 17th, 2020. Antonio Sacchi, Pope Benedict XVI, warns of a new totalitarianism. I'm not very good at pronouncing that word, so forgive me. Um, separation between Babylon and Jerusalem. Last May, there was a controversy over the anticipation of some statements made by Pope Benedict XVI to Peter Sewald, published in his biography that was about to be published in Germany. This work has now been translated into Italian with the title Bonito Sixteenth, Una Vita Grazanti, and so we are not able to better understand the. We are now able to better understand the Pope's words. Humanistic ideologies encroaching. The crucial question placed by Sewell to Ratzinger is this: One phrase from your first homily as Pope has remained particularly impressed in our memory. Pray for me that I may not flee for the fear of the wolves. Had you perhaps foreseen what awaited you? This is referring to when he was on the balcony, when he appeared as Pope Benedict XVI. The Pope replies that this was not an allusion to the problems of the Vatican, such as Val, uh, the Vati leaks, as many people thought, Benedict XVI explains. The true threat for the church and thus for the patron, the patron service does not come from this sort of episode. It comes from, it comes instead from the universal dictatorship of apparently humanistic ideologies. Anyone who contradicts this dictatorship is excluded from the basic consensus of society. 100 years ago, anyone would have thought it absurd to speak of homosexual matrimony. Today, those who oppose it are socially excommunicated. The same holds true for abortion and the production of human beings in laboratories. Modern society intends to formulate an anti-Christian creed. Whoever, con whoever contests it is punished with social 
excommunication, being afraid of the spiritual power of the Antichrist, is also too natural. And what is truly needed is that the prayer of entire, of entire diocese and of the world's church come to the rescue to resist it. The media have, have simplified everything superficially by sparking controversies over these examples. But this is not the center of Benedict XVI's reason, reasoning, which has a very different inspiration. He speaks of the threat represented by the universal dictatorship, apparently humanistic ideologies. Here is the point that a man of great culture, profound spirituality, and recognized authority would speak of the threat of a universal dictatorship cannot leave anyone indifferent. Totalitarianism, the manifesting, manifesting clearly. One may object, but in fact, this theme has already emerged in public debate. Even secular intellectuals have shown themselves to be worried about the evident imposition of aligned thought and even micro-mega an Italian news magazine has called out the new season of excesses by politically correct ideology, which has led to the, to the rediscovery of censorship by progressives. Not only this authoritative thinker, such as Giorgio Agambini, Agamben, have sounded the alarm in recent months over the state of exception during the health emergency, but more generally over politics becoming biopolitics. Even a secular intellectual who is on the other end of the spectrum from Ratzinger's thought, like the Frenchman Michel Onfray, has published the book Toria della Dittura, The Theory of Dictatorship, in which he sees on the horizon a new type of totalitarianism, and so the theme exists in secular discourse outside the church. Ratzinger speaks of the dictatorship apparently humanistic ideologies, and adds that modern society intends to formulate an anti-Christian creed that and that being afraid of the spiritual power of the Antichrist is all too natural. Here, Benedict XVI's reflection meets, for example, the thought of one of the greatest philosophers of our time, Rhein Gerard. Gerard effectively uses the same categories of Ratzinger in his book, Vido Santana Kedra Kam Come la forge, see Satan falling like lightning. To reflect on the present situation, he too identifies the new totalitarianism. Antichrist claims concern for its victims. Gerard explains that Christianity introduced pity for victims into the world. Today, there is humanitarianism. Rat, Rat, Ratzinger apparently humanistic ideologies that makes this sensitivity its own, but does so against Christianity. The concern for victim, for victim its own, and radical and radicalized in order to paganize it, 
the new totalitarianism presents itself as the liberty of humanity. Just like Ratzinger, Gerard too invokes the New Testament figures of the Antichrist, that is, the one who imitates Christ in, in an ever better way and even claims to surpass him. The entire 20th century was filled with literary figures of the Antichrist, from Vladimir Solova's story of Antichrist to Robert Hugh Benson's The Lord of the World as a great humanitarian and philanthropist as usurping imitation of the Redeemer, as invoked in the famous fresco by Luca Signoroli of the deeds of the Antichrist in the Arvetto Cathedral. The Antichrist, writes Gerard, boasts of bringing people peace and tolerance, while in fact he brings with him the effective return to all sorts of pagan practices, Gerard, like Ratzinger, cites abortion and other modern situations. <clears throat> In practice, Gerard shares Ratzinger's alarm that an anti-Christian modernity, which both of them do not hesitate to juxtapose with the apocalypse figure of the Antichrist, split with the split between those those uh, those for for and against the church. Some very interesting considerations on the Antichrist and modernity have also been made by Mario Taranti and Misimo Gagari in various interventions in the book Pietro Cefrena, The Power That Restrains. Interesting title. This book refers to another question made by Seewald to the Pope. Seewald explains that Agamben says that he is convinced that the real reason for your resignation from the papacy was the will to awaken the eschatological conscience in the divine plan of salvation. The church would also have the function of being both church and Christ and the church of the Antichrist. The resignation would then be a prefiguration of the separation between the Babylon, between Babylon and Jerusalem in the church. And Gabin was referring to an old essay by Ratzinger on, on Tigianos. The Pope Emeritus does not respond directly, but recalls with Augustine that many are part of the church and in an only apparent way, while in reality they live against her. While outside the church there are many who, without knowing it, belong profoundly to the Lord and thus also to his body, the church. Then he adds, we know that there are moments in history in which the victory of God over the forces of evil is visible in a, in a comforting way and in other moments in which the forces of evil obscure everything. This article was by Antonio Sacchi. Now, um, if you go, uh, the deeds of the Antichrist is a fresco. In um, it's four, it's from the artist lived from fourteen ninety nine. I'm sorry, he worked on it from fourteen ninety nine to fifteen o two. Um, it's it's an interesting uh, work of art. Um, you see what looks like, you think looks like uh, Christ preaching, 
But what you notice is standing close to him, almost like whispering in his ear. And the figure is the devil. And the devil looks like he has his arms in the folds of the cape, uh, the robe of Christ. And you can't tell if, if it's Christ's arm coming out or it's the Antichrist, the devil, that is. But then if you look closely, you think it's Christ, but it's not Christ. You notice that the figure does not have a very heavenly face, doesn't have a calm, doesn't have a, a, a peaceful face, not a, a gentle face. You realize that the figure that you're looking at, that everybody's standing around, is the Antichrist. It's not Jesus because there's no halo. There's light shining from him. It looks like him, but it's not him. Um, it's um, a very, um, <laughs> well, it's a very, what do you call it? Troublesome um, painting. I remember because it was from the book, um, Father Elijah, they went um, a kind of Padre Pio figure told Father Elijah to go and look at it. Now, Father Elijah wanted to look at the painting in natural light, the way people saw it before, not through artificial light. And he had a friend, an English priest, and he told him to look closely. What do you see? And his English priest friend was... Um, was troubled by it. Uh, the fresco was by, is by Luca Sinroli. Sinroli. I'll spell the last name. Is S I G N O R E L L I, and it's called the Deeds of the Antichrist in the Ovrieto Cathedral. It's um like I said, it's a very it's it's not. You think it's Jesus? It's not Jesus. Some people thought it was the it was the um the temptation in the desert. It's not. It's meant to make you be aware. The artist is telling you be careful, be very careful, because people often expect. Um. In other words, you can be very very fooled. And just like what we see now, we see a world that's that's um, talking about acceptance and tolerance and um, political correctness. It's deeds and things being done assumed to be good deeds. And it's what looks like could be Christ-like deeds. It's really good deeds done without Christ. They're not look it's not deeds looking to please God. It's all meant to be empty. Work you know works. Remember like the devil said, if you are the Christ, why can't you just take these stones and turn them into bread? In other words, feed the whole world. End world hunger. End it. But the problem is men's bellies get filled. Men's are gratified. All the bread is also, it's, it's, it's progressivism. You know, it's all about the flesh. Bread is related to the body, to the material, focused on the body, but not on the soul. There's an old saying, men must change before kingdoms change. It's a very interesting saying, 
All right, let's go to the next article. Tucker Carlson made references to the COVID-19 lockdowns, and he actually made it well uh, here in to usher in a great reset, and that should terrify you. Here, America is locking down again. In some places, that's already happening. If you have kids, you, you have, you have, you've seen it. Joe Biden has promised more of it, more masks, more quarantine, more limits on travel, more restrictions on you who can eat, and on you and who you can eat with and who you can touch. The most intimate details of our lives are being completely controlled by our leadership class. The people who used to scream at politicians, keep your hands off my body, aren't saying a thing about it. In fact, they're encouraging it. So the question is, what exactly is this about? It's not about science. It's if masks and lockdowns prevented spikes in coronavirus infections, we shouldn't be seeing spikes in coronavirus infections after nine months, but we're seeing them. So clearly the, the geniuses got it wrong. Once again, this time, they're not even bothering to to point to a legitimate scientific studies to support the continuing their policies because there aren't any studies that support that. So what is going on? Here, this is where he mentions Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano. Catholic Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano has some idea. Vigano is one of the truth tellers in his church. He made himself deeply unpopular with many in the hierarchy several years ago by exposing their complicity in decades of sex abuse. Vigano is 79 years old. And in the way that older, older people stop caring, well, others think he really doesn't care. So instead, he says what, he's, what he thinks is true. A few weeks ago, he wrote a letter to President Donald Trump assessing lockdowns from perspective you almost never hear in this country. No one... Um, up until last February, Vigano wrote, would have ever thought in all our in, in all of our cities, citizens would be arrested simply for wanting to walk down the street, to breathe, to want to keep their businesses open, to want to go to church on Sunday. Yet now it is happening all over the world. The fundamental rights of citizens and believers are being denied in the name of health emergency that is revealing itself more and more fully as instrumental to the establishment of an inhuman, faceless tyranny. There's reason you may not have heard these words before. The usual foot soldiers for conformity in our news media did their best to su suppress and discredit Vigano's words. To the present, Yahoo News tried to tie the elderly clergymen somehow to Cunin, I don't know what that is, which to them made sense. He's He alleged that a global health emergency was being used by the people in power for, uh, for ends that had nothing to do with virus itself. And of course, that's crazy talk. That's the media position on that. The only problem is, is that what Vigano wrote is actually true. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's factually accurate. Here's a Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau speaking to the United Nations in September. 
Trudeau, this pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. This is our chance to accelerate our pre-pandemic efforts to reimagine economic systems that actually address global challenges like extreme poverty, inequality, and climate change. This is our chance, says Justin Trudeau, not our chance to save you from the virus with a 99% survival rate. This is our chance to impose unprecedented social controls on the population in order to bypass democracy and change everything to conform with their weird academic theories that has that have never been tested in the world in the real world and by the way don't actually make sense this pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset keep in mind that's not from uh quinan that is that is a head of state which talking and has not you know, okay he's, he's a, that is the head of state talking and no he's not alone klaus klaus schwab the founder of the world economic forum has written a book called covid 19 the great reset the book isn't really about science or medicine said it describes what changes will be needed to create a more inclusive resilient and sustainable world going forward notice how the the words inclusive and sustainable world going forward what change is what changes is swap talking about we don't know what we're certain of is that you're going to pay for them and the people in charge will benefit from them well what's telling is how different this is from the way our leaders were talking about talking back when the pandemic began statewide coronavirus lockdown in this country started about eight months ago in mid-march at that time california governor uh Gavin newsom predicted that 50 percent of the of his state's population more than 25 million people would become infected with the virus within eight weeks but businesses would need to shut down newsom acknowledged uh, Newsom acknowledged, but he's also promised he would all he would all be over it would all be over soon. This is not a permanent, uh, prominent state. Newsom assured us it's a moment in time. This should this 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 should have made us nervous because, in the end, that moment continued indefinitely. Pretty soon, Gazem Newsom was uh, telling us that who we are willing uh, who 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 we are allowed to be around and who we are not allowed to talk to. Newsom in July, as always, I want to remind you, limit your mixing with the people outside of your household. It is, you know, it is just common sense, but the data suggests that everybody, I'm sorry, is practicing common sense. All right, I'm going to end it here. It's, uh, it's long, but I think I read enough. I think I read enough. Um, it's just... Okay, here's this part here. What does the Great Reset look like? This is what looks like the people in charge doing whatever they want because they're in charge. <laughs> well, he's right. I mean, that's the whole point. These people want to implement a whole new world order. And our job is to resist because these people are going to take... I mean, they're going to think about this way they're going to live a good life and we're not and they're going to be in charge and they can decide what the law is it's dangerous it's dangerous it's an elitism and this is something we got to be careful with
All right, so I'm going to leave you here. So God bless and uh, be well. All right, so now we're getting to the last part here. This is Tucker Carlson's, um, this is a basically a uh, opinion piece. He. This is what he said on his show, the Tucker Carlson show. So uh, the elite want COVID-19 lockdowns to usher in a great reset, and that that should terrify you. The most intimate details of our lives are being controlled by our leadership class. America is locking down again in some places that's already happening. If you have kids, you've seen it. Joe Biden has promised more of it, more masks, more quarantines, more limits on travel, more restrictions on who you can eat with and who you can touch. The most intimate details of our lives are being completely controlled by our leadership class. The people who used to scream at politicians, keep your hands off my body, aren't saying a thing about this. In fact, they're encouraging it. So the question is, what exactly is this about? It's not about science. If masks and lockdowns prevent spikes in coronavirus infections, we shouldn't be seeing spikes in coronavirus infections after nine months, but we are seeing them. So clearly the geniuses got it wrong once again. This time, they're not even bothering to point to legitimate scientific studies to support continuing their policies because they're there aren't any scientific studies that support that. So what's go going on? Really? Yeah. What's really going on? Catholic Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano has some idea. Vigano is one of the truth tellers in his church. He made himself deeply unpopular with many in the hierarchy several years ago by exposing their complicity in decades of sex abuse. Vigano is 79 years old and in the way that older people can stop caring what others think, he really doesn't care. So instead he says what he thinks is true. All right. A few weeks ago, he wrote a letter to President Donald Trump assessing the lockdowns from a perspective you almost never hear in this country. No one up until last February Vigano wrote, would ever have thought that in all our cities, citizens would be arrested simply for wanting to walk down the street to breathe, to want to keep their businesses open, to want to go to church on Sunday. Yet now it is happening all over the world. The fundamental right of citizens and believers are being denied in the name of health emergency that is revealing itself more and more fully as an instrumental to be establishment of an of a inhuman, faceless tyranny. There's a reason why you may not have heard these words before. The usual foot soldiers for the conformity in our news media did their best to suppress and discredit Vigano's letter to the president. Yahoo News tried to tie the elderly clergyman somehow to some scandal, which 
to them made sense. He alleged that a global health emergency was being used by the people in the power f uh, for their own personal ends that had nothing to do with the virus itself. And of course, that's crazy talk. That's media pos uh, position on that. The only problem is that when what Vigano wrote is actually true. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's factually accurate. Now, here's an example that Tegel Carson gives us. Here's Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau speaking to the United Nations in September. This is Trudeau's statement. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. This is our chance to accelerate our pre-pandemic efforts to reimagine economic systems that actually address global challenges like extreme poverty, inequality, and climate change. <laughs> this is, I find this very funny. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. This is our chance to accelerate our pre-pandemic efforts to reimagine economic systems that actually address global challenges like extreme poverty, inequality, and climate change. Allow me to, re uh, to remind you folks, his, it was his father, I believe, that decided to accept abortion. He says as a Catholic, he is personally against abortion. This is me talking now, but he will not enforce his beliefs uh, on on his political views. And that uh, Mario Cuomo, the father of Andrew Cuomo, used his sort of a cop out to you know, in the in the Democratic Party, and that's how the Democratic Democratic Party changed ever since. So, this guy, I don't I don't trust. Now, let's go continue what Tucker Carlson says. This is our chance, says Justin Trudeau, not our chance to save you from uh, a virus with a ninety nine percent survival rate. This is our chance to impose unprecedented social controls on the population in order to bypass democracy and change everything to conform with their weird academic theories that has never been tested in the real world. And by, by the way, don't actually make sense. Uh, this is Tucker Carlson being sarcastic. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. Those are Trudeau's words. Keep in mind, that's not from some uh, Q at QAnon, and I don't know what that means. That That is a head of state talking. This is a head of state talking, and he's not alone. Klaus Schwab, the founder of the World Economic Forum, has written a book called COVID-19, The Great Reset. This book isn't really about science or medicine. Instead, it describes what changes will be needed to create a more inclusive, resilient, and sustainable world going forward. What Schwab, what you know, what changes is Schwab talking about? We don't know. We're certain of of is is that you're going to pay for them, and the people in chain, uh, the people in charge will benefit from from them. What's you know what's you know telling is how different this is from the way our leaders were talking talking back when the pandemic began.
statewide coronavirus lockdowns in this country started about eight months ago in mid-March. At that time, California Governor Gavin Newsom predicted that 56% of his state's population, more than 25 million, would become infected with the virus within eight weeks. Businesses would need to shut down, Newsom acknowledged, but he also promised we, uh, you know, he would all be, you know, it would all be over soon. This is not a, a permanent state, Newsom assured us. It's a moment in time. This should have made us nervous because in the end, that moment continued indefinitely. Pretty soon, Gavin Newsom was telling us who we were allowed to be around and who we were allowed to talk to. Newsom in July, as always, I want to remind you, limit your mixing with people outside of your household. It's just common sense. But the data suggests that everybody's practicing common sense. What we what what have we learned from the data since then? Well, as of November fifteenth, about two point six percent of the total population of California has been infected. That's roughly twenty million fewer people than Gavin Newsom predicted to be infected by May. So in some ways that looks like a victory. Can we declare victory? No, just the opposite. Monday, Newsom announced that more lockdowns are underway. Right now, 41 countries in our biggest states are under the most restrictive form of lockdown. Churches, gyms, and restaurants cannot conduct any kind of indoor operation. Newsom is implementing these lockdowns on a scientific grounds, of course, but he doesn't believe in it for himself because apparently he is exempt from the law of etymology, the study of diseases. We know this because nine days ago, the governor was caught violating his own guidelines by eating at, at one of the state's most expensive restaurants with dozens of other people. By the way, he's fine. He didn't die from it. When you're God, you don't fear viruses. Lockdowns are from mere mortals. You think getting caught would hurt Newsom? Getting caught ignoring your own rules used to be a major problem for politicians, but it's not anymore. They are no longer humiliated by their own hypocrisy. The point of the exercise is to humiliate the rest of us by forcing us to obey transparently absurd orders. Everyone who has to wear a Viking hat with horns every Wednesday. It's the law. Dr. Fauci orders. <laughs> By the way, people would do, people would do that. They would follow the orders and would scream at others if they if they didn't. In an environment like this, dominated by completely unreasonable demands from people on top of uh, medi uh, mediocrities like Chicago Mayor. Lori Lightfoot thrive. This is a moment created for her and, P and, and people like her. Lightfoot explained on MSNBC Friday that she has no problem, no personal obligations to follow the lockdown restrictions that you could be arrested for ignoring. <laughs> Stephanie uh, Ruel, what do you say to those who are criticizing you? Where less than a week ago, you went out and stood before a massive crowd who was celebrating Joe Biden's victory. And now you're saying your city has to shut down. How do you have one and not the other? Lightfoot, there are times when you actually do need to have the, re the relief and come together. And I felt like that was one of those times that 
the crowd was gathered, whether I was there or not. They were celebrating. Remember that? They were celebrating. They were all out on the street on, on a Saturday. Everybody was cheering. It became a, a, a like a one big giant block party festival. Everybody was giving each other high fives and everybody was hugging each other. People were screaming, honking their horns. I remember that. And everybody thought that this was really, they had it. They bagged it. And now a week later, suddenly we're all, we all got to be in a lockdown. Even though Joe Biden himself is victorious and people thought that once he gets elected that he would change his attitude. But no, because he hasn't bagged it. There's a chance he could still be proven that he stole it. That's why they're doing this. All right, let's continue. Notice the complete lack of embarrassment and shame. There are times when the rules just don't apply to me. The elite do not believe the rules apply to them. So when specifically are those times when the rules don't apply to the people making the rules? Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser decided that her rules didn't apply to Joe Biden's victory party in Delaware. So she went. So she went. Going to the party, she explained she was essential. Muriel Bowser didn't have to quarantine or restrict her travel in any way because it was on behalf of the Democratic Party. So she went from Washington, D.C. to Delaware. And she didn't quarantine herself in Delaware, right, for a few days to be sure she didn't have a coronavirus. And she went back from the state of Delaware to Washington, District of Columbia, to the Capitol, and didn't quarantine herself there. Hypocrisy, you see? What does the Great Reset look like? This is what it looks like. The people in charge doing whatever they want because they're in charge. There will be no live music in the Great Reset. Choirs will be illegal unless they are singing the praise of Kamala Harris. Christmas will be banned. Sorry. Put on your mask and spend the holidays alone. Good luck. So how long can this all continue? This weird and yet uh, weirdly recognizable combination of hypocrisy and authoritarianism. Well, it's hard to imagine it could go on forever. In his letter last month the, uh, to the present, Archbishop Vigano wrote this, and it's worth hearing. The Great Reset is designed to fail because those who planned planned it do not understand that there are still people ready to take to the streets to defend their rights to protect their loved ones to give a future to their children and their grandchildren let's hope that's true okay this article is adapted from tucker carlson's opening monologue on november 16th 2020 edition of the tucker carlson uh show tonight all right so i read this part for you guys Now, I was going to end it, but I came across something that I think is a little bit more hopeful. It's from Church Militant by James L. Birkin, uh, B-E-R-K-O-N, Church Militant, November 17th, 2020. It's called Her Time to Shine. It's a commentary, Our Lady, Her Silent Majority, and the Election Recount. I'm going to read it. 
There are some days in your life, good and bad, that you can remember like they were yesterday. A first kiss, a special engagement, a wedding, the birth of a child, the death of a spouse, parent, or close friend. One day in recent memory that sticks out for me is election day of 2016. It has less to do with Trump pulling off an an improbable victory, and more so with how I believe it came about. The weekend before the election in 2016, my brother and mom came to visit me in Dallas, Texas, where I had moved to from D.C. four months prior. What should have been an enjoyable visit kept us glued to the TV, depressed and disappointed that the media had already declared Hillary Clinton the winner. No, ifs, ands, or buts about it. Less than five days out of the election had been signed, sealed, and delivered. Sound familiar? I am aware that the media has already proclaimed Biden the president-elect. However, it's not the media's job to announce the president-elect or re-elect. The electoral college is only is the only outfit that can officially declare who the next president of the United States is. The Electoral College has yet to make that announcement. My greatest fear, if Hillary Clinton was elected, would be an end to religious freedom, as we know it, along with the enshrinement of abortion into federal law as a human right. A Clinton administration would force conservative institutions and churches to embrace the LGBTQ agenda and force Catholic institutions, read the Little Sisters of the Poor, to provide a contraceptive coverage with no questions asked. Finally, every conservative and Orthodox Christian and Catholic knew the Supreme Court would be stacked with liberal justices which would ensure a progressive and Marxist agenda for generations to come. While the Supreme Court now has a conservative majority, the agenda for the Biden-Harris administration is more radical than Hillary in 2016. The unknown silent majority, this is uh, the next paragraph, before I moved to Dallas, I had been working as a bartender in Northern Virginia where we had our fair share of pre-election gatherings, happy hours, meetings, and bar patrons locked in, in, in on the looming 2016 decision. One afternoon, I asked two of my patrons what they thought of the election. Without a moment of hesitation, they immediately replied, we think Trump's going to win. Pleasantly surprised at their response and relieved to find fellow conservatives in the up in the upper liberal DC metro area, I prodded, "What makes you guys think that?" And there's a huge silent majority out there who's behind Donald Trump. No one knows who we are because we're not talking about it, but we're voting for him. All right, I can believe it, I responded. Ever since that uh, conversation, when I ran into anyone who asked me about the election and whether or not Donald Trump had a a chance, I would always cling to what these two bar patrons told me, which turned out to be prophetic. We all know 
how election night 2016 turned out. Now in 2020, we're in the midst of an election that has yet to conclude. No matter what the media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, CNN, MSNBC, or Fox News, they should be renamed Fox, Fox News, tells you the decision has yet to be finalized by the Electoral College. I know my conservatives, I'm not ashamed to say, I know, I'm sorry, I know many conservatives. I am not, I am, I am, I am, I am ashamed to say I am tempted to accept the inevitable and churchgoers who have conceded the election, but without becoming a, a, legation, a legation, massive elections of very likely voter fraud and recounts st starting in Arizona and Georgia. We are not anywhere near finished with this election. Not by a long shot. When I went to Mass last week on Election Day, I felt a prodding in my heart to hand this decision for our great country over to Our Lady and encouraging others to do the same. Since we are still waiting the results, this is the perfect time and opportunity to put this situation in Our Lady's hands and then trust these results over to the other silent majority people rarely speak about who is that other silent majority leading up to the 2016 election my mother told me of a private novena she had begun to pray first she would seek the intercession of the blessed mother upon our election by the daily recitation of the rosary second she invoked another silent majority for assistance the all-too-often-forgotten silent majority of 61 million-plus unborn victims of the abortion, of abortion, while many in the pro-life movement have spoken of the tragedy of over 61 million innocent baby boys and girls who have been mercilessly slaughtered at the hand of Roe versus Wade. Very few have encouraged us to pray for the salvation of their little souls. Even fewer encourage us to ask for their intercession. I'm not here to debate whether the unborn victims of abortion go to heaven, purgatory, or limbo. We can only entrust them to the mercy of God, as the Catechism says in paragraph 1261. However, a close friend who is heavily involved in post-abortion healing and recovery once told me, never forget to pray to, the, to these little ones, the aborted children. They are very powerful intercessors. I followed my mother's lead, begging the innocent victims of abortion and Our Lady to intercede for us and to deliver an improbable victory. As we know from history, Our Lady and her army of little ones delivered us an election miracle for the ages. It is far from the, from the first miracle Our Lady has had, has, has had her hand in. Our Lady of Victory, five centuries ago, the European continent, much like our nation, stood at the precipice of destruction. Much like today, the Catholic Church has in grave crisis due to corrupt clergymen, indifferent laity, and the Protestant Reformation. It was no secret the rising power in the East, Islam, wanted to, to annihilate Christianity and Western civilization, wipe out freedom, abolish Judeo-Christian principles, and sack Rome. In response to this looming threat, Pope St. Pius V ordered Christendom to pray the rosary. To stave off his threat, 
of annihilation while assembling a makeshift Christian fleet to fight the massive Muslim navy. The fight for the preservation of Europe, Christendom, and countless generations to come came to a head October 7th, 1571, off the coast of the Greek town of Lepanto. Now it's known as Nafpikatos. The Christian fleet was, was vastly outnumbered, poorly trained, lacking in supplies and naval combat, where with the Muslim fleet vastly superior in men uh, <clears throat> and mountains and experience and weaponry spotted the Christian fleet and forming their naval battle lines in the shape of a crescent. Charged towards the outnumbered Christian fleet with, with the wind at their backs and under cover of thick fog, a clear strategic naval advantage. <clears throat> Knowing the stark odds that they were facing, but still under, under, undeterred, the Christian fleet formed their battle lines in its shape of a cross, while offering fervent and passionate prayers for the intercession to Our Lady. In that moment, the winds miraculously changed to the astonishment of both fleets. The Christians now held the advantage with the wind at their back and the fog which disguised the, disguised the Muslim fleet only moments earlier now offered a perfect cover for the Christians in battleship. With the wind at their backs and the Virgin protecting them from on high, they slaughtered the Muslim fleet, disseminating the Islamic navy nearby, saving Christendom and Western civilization. The moment victory was secured, Pope St. Pius V was granted a vision of the triumph at St. Peter's in Rome, explaining to his fellow Catholics, victory, victory. Official word of the victory would not reach Rome for another two weeks. Thanks to the victory of Mary granted us at Lepanto, she is now invoked as Our Lady of Victory. Having faith in the unknown, I don't know what's the ultimate outcome of this election. Will uh, this election will be? I am praying diligently for another election miracle, as well uh, as all of us should be. But right now, I feel like the winds of the media, academia, politics, education—yes, the corruption in the church—are overwhelming us. It seems like they are attacking us at every angle, under cover of the thick fog of lies, deceit, and treachery. The lies of progressivism and Marxism feel like an unstoppable tidal wave, ready to crash upon and consume us. However, we should not allow that to deter our prayers for the truth to be made manifest. This should not deter us from praying that if there is, a fr there is fraud and cover-up, it is exposed and swiftly dealt with. The winds of progressivism should never deter the, the hope that no matter what good will come out of this, this is no time to back down, tug and tail and run. This is the time to stand more fervent than ever in the truth of Christ and his church and defend her with all that is in us. Should we pray for a miracle? Absolutely. 
But this must also be the time that we make the conscious decision from now until the day we die to continue to be a voice for the voiceless and to speak truth in the midst of falsehood. To expose fraud and to scatter darkness with light. All of this and more can and will be accomplished by turning to Our Lady and her little army of unborn martyrs. I encourage you to start by offering a decade of the rosary per day for Our Lady to intercede for us, to heal this land and to and the multitude of wounds caused by the culture of death. Pray that the truth is exposed in the in this election, that God's will, not man's, be done, and that the American America begins to re, to re-embrace a culture a culture of life. Who knows? Our Lady and the little ones may very well dissipate the fog of falsehood, and alter the winds to reverse course and be at our backs sooner than we think. Our Lady of Victory, pray for us. Mary, patroness of the unborn and healer of all wounds, pray for us. That was good. I felt I should read something a little bit more hopeful, and I think that helped. <laughs> I was going to end it in the last uh, segment, but I've been praying that, actually. And I didn't think about praying, um, asking for the intercession of the unborn, but I have been praying for that the lies be and the exposure, the the deceit, the the manipulation, the corruption be exposed and be brought to the light. And look, I don't know what's going to happen, but I do believe that Our Lady. I've 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 said this, and I do believe it. Maybe I didn't say it enough on the on on the podcast program, but I do believe something is about to happen. <clears throat> something fantastic more than a now a hundred years now going on a hundred years our lady appeared in fatima i don't know what that time was like for those people but they were living in a time those people in portugal and the people around the world were suffering from world war one the first actual modern war where you know it was the last war where horses were used in battle and some men had swords you know uh europeans but it was the first time machine guns and tanks were coming into play and airplanes were being used those early airplanes that the wright brothers made but it was the first time that it was used as a weapon the world was changing it was the modern war was coming into play and people must have felt helpless they must have felt the darkness rising up, it was crypting. A shadow, just like in the Lord of the Rings, a shadow was rising up and creeping up on people. And it was an ominous feeling. Like now, it's an ominous feeling, you know, that something is gripping us and trying to, to take away hope from us. But remember, we have Jesus Christ his gospel, and we have his blessed mother, and we have the rosary, we have the saints. And I think it's important that we don't lose hope. I pray that something fantastic is about to happen, and I know it is. I, I want to believe it, and I, I truly do believe it. 
you know, nobody saw it coming 2016. And it shocked everybody. It shocked everybody. Maybe, you know, maybe, you know, God has a, God chooses to show, reveal himself in many different ways. Who knows how those Christians felt back right before Constantine that felt like the whole world was creeping up on them. Hopeless. They were hiding in catacombs. And then suddenly, <laughs> out of nowhere comes Constantine. Out of nowhere, Christianity was given the right to come out into the sunlight. It must have been shocking. And then after a generation of Christians being out in the sunlight, suddenly they found themselves on the world stage with politics, different emperors, different people coming along, changing things. Um, then Christianity looked like it was losing grounds. And they must have thought, well, how could this, how could this be happening? You know, we should never feel too comfortable. I think sometimes we Christians feel too comfortable. Protestant, Catholic, Orthodox, you name it. We always tend to think, you know, well, it looks bad. You know, they, you know, this politician is not too, you know, into religious freedom, is not religious. It looks bad, but it's not going to be the end of the world for us. Well, no, it can be. It can be. Remember back in 2016 when Hillary Clinton said, Religious attitudes and opinions must change and conform. Something like that. I'm paraphrasing it. But she said that. Religious attitudes must change. It shocked everybody. What does she mean by that? Why would a politician say something like that? And it turns out there was something going on. Yeah. There was something going on. There was something going on. With 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 you know, behind behind the curtain, there are people out there who are evil and they're real. There are people out there. They may not be what you call satanic worshippers. Maybe not. I mean, Hillary Clinton got involved with something called spirit cooking. I have no idea. John Batista was involved with something called spirit cooking. There's a lot going on there, which I am not interested in finding out because I don't want to know anything about Satanism. But there are a lot of people out there who are political, but they don't realize that they might be demonically influenced. Their ideas are frightening. The way they think, the way they live their lives, their ideology, their, their, their views of the world. Some of them are involved in things that are absolutely terrifying and frightening. But don't, don't. No, don't assume that evil isn't real. It's real. Look at the look at these young people in Antifa. Look how they hit people behind the back. Look how they scream and shout. Look how they destroy things and they burn things with Molotov cocktails. Look how they pull down statues. They want the whole world to burn. They're real. And some of them are seriously, seriously involved in something that is dark and evil and dangerous. There are people who are seriously demonically oppressed, possessed, and depressed. They, 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 they're, they're surrounded by, by dark shadows. <clears throat> they have no hope. Some of them have been sexually abused. Some of them have been <clears throat> horribly treated, 
Who knows what their parents did to them? Who knows what they were involved in that their parents didn't know? But this is, there is something going on. And we're fighting not just a physical battle, like St. Paul says in this world, but we're fighting a supernatural battle. It's out there. It's some things that we don't see with our eyes. But we sense it. Because the more closer you are to Christ, the more you can sense something that is not Christ. And you can sense something is wrong. I'm going to end it here. And um, we're going to say a prayer. We're going to say a prayer to Our Lady um, to intercede for us. We're going to say a Hail Mary for the country. We're going to say a Hail Mary for... Um, for people who not to be disillusioned, that people may be encouraged. And we're going to ask, we're going to say Hail Mary for asking for the intercession of those unborn. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God bless.